What is up, good people of the internet? It's time for another episode of Hype is My Superpower. My name is Steve Storm, and I'm one of your hosts. I am calling from Brooklyn, New York. I'm yet another white guy with a podcast in Brooklyn, New York. And joining me via the miracle of modern technology, it's my good buddy, Will Freeland, in Santa Barbara, California. Will, how are you doing? Hello, good. Doing doing quite well. My uh, my left arm is a little sore. Just got the first shot of the COVID vaccination. Hell yeah. Um, I got the Pfizer one, I think. Okay. Um, it's it's so funny to me how there's like name brand, you know? <laughs> I know, right? It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little odd. Yeah. But hey, the more, the more, more names that come out, the, the faster mm-hmm. you can all get it, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm very, very happy for you. Very excited. Me too. I, I just had my uh, first in-person hangout with, with somebody in, in a little while. And that was really nice, you know, hung out in the park. And then I had the opportunity to lend to her one of my favorite comics ever she she came by the apartment and was looking at her bookshelf and she's like what's sex criminals oh my gosh (laughs) and i was like oh we're gonna have a conversation right now i gave her the pitch and she's like that sounds amazing i pulled it off (laughs) the bookshelf and i handed it straight to her i was like you read this and then you have your partner read this and then you tell Rachel how good it is and then she'll have to read it because she still hasn't read it yet. <laughs> oh, I'm oh fucking scheming, man. Grand plans. Sex criminals. Oh, you wow. still haven't read Sex Criminals either. I was just talking with my buddy 3V uh, that we talked about last week. I was just talking to him about that because we were talking about like what non-Marvel comics do yeah. we collect or read? Yeah. And um, Sex Criminals, Saga... Uh, oh, you are collecting sex criminals. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's on my bookshelf uh in my very small non-Marvel shelf that it shares <laughs> with the Lego Helicarrier. <laughs> okay, so and you but you haven't you haven't cracked it yet? I've read I want to say I've read the first volume. Okay. Because yeah. I'm I'm familiar with the art style, the storytelling, mm-hmm. the characters, yeah, to a degree, okay. not not by name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the semi arc, but I don't know if it's just because I've been flipping through it so much sure. that I've picked it up, yeah, or I actually read it because it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get let me give the 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 overview pitch that I gave to my friend for the good people of the internet here, the people listening who exist. <laughs> there are, yeah, they do, yeah, um, amazing. It's incredible, man. We're so, s- sex criminals is a book about it's a romantic comedy sex comedy relationship comedy kind of thing it's about this woman named Susie who whenever she orgasms time stops around her she can walk around she can do stuff you know Uh, she calls it the quiet and she thinks she's the only person who this applies to until she hooks up with a guy named John and they're both there in the quiet together, except he calls it cum world because men are terrible. (laughs) And so um, she works at a library that's, you know, having financial distress because of the bank that he works at. And so they come up with a plan to have sex, stop time, rob the bank, use the money to save the library. Things all look like they're going great until the sex police show up. And... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, sex criminals. Yeah. So if that doesn't get you to read it, I don't know what would. Uh, oh, and also, if you buy trades, you have to also buy the companion book of the letter column, which is called Only the Tips. Of course, <laughs> because the letter column, uh, they turned it into the world's worst sex advice column. People write in with sex questions and they are not equipped to answer them at all. They have no qualifications. Uh, <laughs> the, the creators on the book are Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. And, and they just give the worst advice possible. And it's hilarious. Yeah, sex criminals. What a fun time. So... Sex criminals and parts of Marvel and a handful of other pieces of media, like uh, was it Jumper, the movie? Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. as soon as I've learned that if I ever develop a power, <laughs> and if I find out that there's at least one other person with that power, uh-huh. there is definitely an organization trying to hunt me down because <laughs> of that power. <laughs> They will always, always be. Right. As soon as they introduce time travel in Marvel, they all of a sudden introduce the time variance variance authority. authority. And then uh, DC has the... As soon uh, as they're mutants, they're sentinels. Yeah. Uh, DC has a time police. It's the whole premise behind Legends of Tomorrow, the TV show. I literally Um, know nothing about DC. You could tell me anything and I'd be like... (laughs) All of... Okay. 80% of my DC knowledge is from TV shows. Yeah. DC TV shows. So I'm not comic accurate when it comes to my DC knowledge, but I know that references at least are are universal. (laughs) There's always going to be a John Constantine, whether I'm looking at... Keanu Reeves or the British guy yeah. uh, that they got uh, for the TV shows, or if I'm reading the comics, right. Constantine's a, a constant. <laughs> they really had Keanu Reeves play Constantine in the movie. I, I heard it was a terrible adaptation, but I yeah. didn't see it and I didn't I, I didn't pursue it any further. I'm pretty sure it was Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, no, no disrespect to Keanu Reeves, guys. You know, had a hell of a career, and he seems like all-around wonderful person from what the internet tells me but that seems like a particularly terrible fit for that character yeah constantine 2005 fantasy horror two hours and one minute uh <laughs> keanu reeves john constantine Yikes. gabriel was played by tilda swinton and peter okay. stormare played lucifer okay i don't know who that is but i, I like that lucifer was in it. It, i know that sandman is another one on on the list that i've given to you and yeah. also, by process of triangulation, gave to Alana. Yes. Again, strat- strategizing, triangulating, <laughs> scheming. Absolute scheming. Alana oh, would love Sandman. I think so. I'm and once she again. read it, you would be forced to. And this is my goal. I have read the first book. Oh, I haven't okay. read the whole series. Sure. And you are the second person to try to get me to read uh, Sandman. <laughs> Surprise, Tanya, I'm only the second. Tanya ages ago. Classic, tried, man. Tried to get me to do it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Anyway. Uh, sex criminals. Good times. Good times. Life lessons learned. There's going to be a bad guy if you ever have a power. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk comics, man. Uh-huh. What'd you read this week? What did I read this week? I finished... 
Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Just as I gushed about it last last week, I gushed mm. about it now. It's it's the Peter Parker side of Spider-Man, whereas Amazing Spider-Man is more the fantastic side of, of Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Man stuff. It's the high-tech stuff. It's the um, the introduce new villain in the shadows stuff. Right, right. Friendly Neighborhood is grounded. It's more from Peter's perspective. It's uh, than than Spider Man is that the it's, one? Since we just talked about sex criminals, is that the one that's written by Chip Starsky? No, ah. this is by Taylor. Awesome. Okay, Tom Taylor. But it's about the people in his life, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the Fantastic Four or MJ or um, Miles Morales, the other Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's just it's it's them and how their relationships work on both ends of Peter and Spider-Man and Spider-Man's uh, spectrum. It's awesome. Sure. Um, you do get little moments of, <laughs> let me show you, let me show you. Okay. So, and this, this is, oh, this actually spawns this other critique or whatever I have about Marvel in general, but you have Pete and Reed doing a science five. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, and then you have uh, Johnny and Ben hating on it. They say, uh, never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but then a bomb went, got dropped into lava. And so Johnny had to go do it. And the bomb was still hot. And so they talked to Johnny on how to um, disarm it. And he was like, wait, what do I do? And they're like, almost one last thing. What do, what do I do? Put both hands in the air, flame off, palms out. Now what? Now. Science five. <laughs> <laughs> and he says i did not consent to that <laughs> and, and and ben's just looking to the side did you just science five <laughs> it was a trick i know what i said <laughs> so, it's just like um and so and that whole like making reed richards do a science five it's not, uh, yeah. is not reed richards no and that's a product of seeing other characters through the lens of the title character of the book that you're reading. Mm, And that happens so much. And that's why you can have someone like Lunella, uh, Moon Girl, who is currently, according to 616, the smartest person in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, topping doom and t'challa and reed and valeria and all of them right talking them because the only time you see the two of them talking is in moon girl's book right and they make reed a bumbling idiot mm. in direct comparison <laughs> to any other writer <laughs> right and like that's always been this thing that's sort of been in the back of my mind like a critique almost in the back of my mind of just like whenever you see a character that has an established personality or established like code or anything, when they're in someone else's book, they're, they're there as the name and to progress whatever the main character's story needs to be. Yeah. It's always kind of bugged me, but (laughs) When I get moments like a science five, I'm okay with it because it's funny. But yeah. like, it's, it's also just, like it's you're just, still yeah. writing, like you're still writing the tone of of the the Spider Man book. 
Yeah, it's very Peter Parker. Yeah. He goes and um he goes and meets uh Tony uh and he shows up on a window because that's Spider-Man. Of course. And um and Tony's like, I just washed those windows. And he's like, so? And he goes, and Tony's like, you leave a residue. <laughs> <And> he's, <laughs> he's like, wait, what? Are you serious? And then through the rest of that issue, everyone he talks to is like, Do you think I leave a residue? And- <laughs> and like it's really it's really messing me up he brings it up like three more times it's hilarious that's uh, amazing like, and and tony poking at him is a very tony thing totally but he he also kept his dialogue short so it's fine but yeah. when you have a team-up issue and you have those kinds of interactions you're bound mm-hmm. to get a like happy-go-lucky silly slapstick reed richards right because that's the that's the friendly neighborhood spider-man like personality Mm-hmm. it's just that's it's whatever i mean it's not it's yeah. not a big deal right um it just every once in a while stands out do you um, think there's a also like a knock-on effect from the mcu tone of like this kind of joke one is the freaking joke now yeah <sighs> <laughs> like do you, do you do you think the inevitable reed richards in the MCU, who is inevitably going to be played by John Krasinski because the universe demands it. Do you think that <laughs> John Krasinski? Do you think that he is going to be a sly, bantery jokester, or do you think he's going to be dour and and uh, and serious? I'm going to say I hope not. Yeah, but if he cracks a joke, I hope it's a witty, intelligent joke. I am mm, yeah. fine with humor as long as it's for lack of a better term catered to that character yeah it also has to be differentiated right like you don't want every single character in your cinematic universe to be chris pratt i i fully blame chris pratt for what has (laughs) happened in the the mcu it was terrible because uh I love Star-Lord. I, I'm yeah. so happy with it. Love James Gunn. I love that he took a pretty unknown property, introduced it into a well-loved MCU, expanded the universe with a single movie, yeah. and... And and like, that it was... that, And also that it was Guardians, which, like, one... He, yeah. They've like, been around for so long in the comics. Well, but not that Guardians lineup. Like, yeah, there was a Guardians in, like, the 70s and the 90s and stuff. But, yeah. like the the guardians lineup and sort of status quo a we're actually going to do it this week (laughs) but like that concept with that lineup was less than 10 years old when every other character that they had adapted to that point in the mcu was 50 years old (laughs) you know like it's very rare for concepts that are that new in Marvel to have any success as comics, right? Like that's kind of the dirty secret of Marvel is that nothing new succeeds. And when it does, it's a huge deal. Like you have to have an incredible book. Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic in, in those cosmic crossovers. And then once it started its own book. Yeah. Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, unbelievable. Like probably the best superhero story that I've read that's come out in the last 10, 15 years. Like just 
it's Amazing. so heartfelt. It's so it's so well done. Yeah. And that's that's another one that they found the balance between Kamala and Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they do it so well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And and so like and they're getting adaptation. And it's just I guess Ironheart's also getting a, a Disney Plus adaptation. I haven't read enough Ironheart to to have an opinion about Riri Williams, but it's just very uncommon for these books and these characters as new concepts to succeed and so when they announced guardians i was like one marvel's feeling themselves like literally the biggest name actor like you got the chubby guy from parks and rec because he wasn't you know like he wasn't starring in jurassic park yet you got the chubby guy from parks and rec to be your movie star title character and you hired vin diesel to play the tree yeah, right. <laughs> like you this hired is Fast and Furious Family Man right. to be a to, three-word character to be <laughs> to be like literally like the, the 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 participation trophy role for like your elementary school play. Like, oh, yeah. you, you play the tree, <laughs> or like the breakout actor, like the one that's not well known but has right. an iconic voice. Right. Oh man. This is so strange. So strange. Uh, and he did such a good job. He did. And, and, the, I, I, and I that movie Guardians. absolutely worked. Like, they absolutely knocked it out of the park. And that yeah. was, that was like, the start of the MCU being like, okay, so Avengers was good and it was su- very successful. And then they just swung for the fences with Guardians. And then it was like, oh, every MCU movie is going to be a hit from now on. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, and but like that's case in point though. Like Star Lord in the comics pre MCU mm-hmm. was the serious counter to right. Nova's uh, yeah. like kind of kitty banter, sc- right. b- screaming out blue blazes, and <laughs> your name and- is Dick Ryder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> but and so Star Lord and Nova made the greatest two war generals in Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest because yeah. they had that sort of black and white yin yang thing going. Yeah, you get that straight man, you- and then when even when they started. With the Guardian's own title, you know, he got to play the straight man off of Rocket. Right. And and he used to have all this tech on his face and yada yada. And then when yeah. they go the failings, he had to remove his tech. So that was kind of like his character visual rebirth or like redo. The same mm-hmm. way they did like a rebirth for Drax. He used yeah. to wear a cape and he'd play sax. Now, <laughs> he has, now he has tattoos and he has knives. Like, right. that's fine. And, and, you know, everyone gets their kind of rebirth, regrowth in the Abnett Landing run. And then MCU happens and everyone is some level of jokester, except for Gamora. MCUified, but also like MCU found something that worked. Yeah, it totally worked. And I yeah. and I don't and I don't hate that. What yeah. bothered me honestly, as much as I loved the movie because I saw it so many times, <laughs> but like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Took Thor's personality, flipped it on its head. Yeah. Took took Bruce Banner's personality, flipped it on its head. And like, well, Banner wasn't there. That was the interesting thing to me is that you turned I mean, Hulk was kind of a comedic foil in the, the first Avengers movie. Yeah. But like went all the way with that. 
And also found the funny part of Thor too, because I I feel like it was always there. Like it's interesting that you have a superhero that neither has nor has any use for intellect. Mm. Like he's just a himbo. Like he's just a dumb guy and he makes, (laughs) and he's doing fine with that. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it, it, it checks that box of like the full spectrum of characters. Yeah. And then Ragnarok was a hit. And so now let's make everyone crack jokes and no. funny and slapsticky. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, I don't even remember how we got there. Oh, for Reed Richards. Reed. I hope they don't make Reed Richards slapsticky. Sure. I don't mind him having a sense of humor, but I want him to be science first. Sure. Science, engineering, tech, all that good stuff. Yeah. STEM first. All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So that's a whole bunch of time down. Conan the Barbarian. This is Life and Death of Conan, Volume 2, which I really liked. Really? I was so surprised. Awesome. Um, so, <laughs> so, because, you know, I've been, I've been so kind of like meh about these Conan books. Yeah. It's just going through his time in Samaria before he comes over to 616. Sure. And it's just kind of whatever. And so there's Savage Sword of Conan 1 and 2 right that. Baylet, uh, last week we talked about Valeria, not Richards. And, or right. maybe that was two weeks ago. It, was, um, it happened. Yeah. And then, so Life and Death of Conan book 2, I was so interested in because they kept on talking about how he's going to die, he's going to die, he's going to die. But I was like, but he's not <laughs> because i know he's coming back and so explain this to me book. <laughs> and so this is actually the end it's only it's only specifically a 12 issue run and the hmm. side story that they introduced uh that they kept on kind of teasing in book one they finish off here in book two and it actually does do you want me to like go into like sure. all of it? okay so it actually however does... much you want to talk about so it specifically does go into his actual death and it, mm. he dies at the hands of the children of the witch that he killed in book one. And yeah. they've been like hunting him ever since. And so there's an issue, the 11th of 12 issues has him in the afterlife back home in his village in Samaria. And he starts climbing a mountain because he feels like it's calling to him. And there's all these things fighting him to keep him from getting there. He dies a bunch of times. Every time he dies, he ages. He starts as a child. By the time huh. he gets to the summit, he is his regular full-grown hmm. uh, Conan. And he comes, so he always says, there's this god, Krom. And uh, his go-to is always just like, by Krom and Krom's name. I don't get the feeling that he's kind of like the Odin or anything. Okay. It's just he is the god of that Sumerians um, okay. believe in and yeah. they worship. Sure. At the top of that summit, he faces Krom. He sees oh. Krom and he's like, and Krom's like, the hell are you doing here? You should be down in your village. Just enjoy your damn life. <laughs> enjoy yeah. your afterlife, sir. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but the children who killed me are going to revive Zorana or whatever the name of the other God that they worship is. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of reminds me a little bit of this storm miniseries that I read a couple months back. It was in the pre onslaught post age of apocalypse era. 
And basically a storm was commemorating the anniversary of the mutant massacre because she was supposed to be right. She fought Callisto for leadership of the Morlocks. And so, and she left, yeah. And she left them and they were killed basically under her watch. And so she feels guilt and responsibility. She goes down to the tunnel, the Morlocks, like the survivors of the Morlocks popped up later under the guidance of Mikhail Rasputin. When Mikhail Rasputin came, re-emerged in the MCU, long thought dead from you know, because he was a cosmonaut, a so Russian cosmonaut. Yeah. And then he comes back to Earth and he's got powers and blah, 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 blah. And he goes to the Morlocks and he starts leading them and eventually like goes crazy, floods the Morlock tunnels. Everybody thinks that they're all dead, but really he brought a few survivors to this sort of pocket dimension where time passes at a greatly accelerated rate. And the first hint of that happening that you get is that Storm, she gets shunted off to this pocket dimension by a Rasputin. And the pocket dimension is called the hill. And it's literally a hill. Like your social standing is based on how far up the hill you get. And basically you spend your entire life fighting to get like, you know, a few feet a few dozen feet up the hill and then you procreate and your descendants continue that struggle to get further and further up. And then at the top is Mikhail. And then uh, eventually some of the most chosen, the most powerful come back to 616 later as a group called Gene Nation. And they become, um, they're teased as major villains and then are kind of used as minor villains. (laughs) Oh, But Marrow is one of the Gene Nation members. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they're like like full on mutant terrorists. Yeah. Marrow, she hasn't been introduced or reintroduced. She's been reintroduced as a member of Gene Nation, but she hasn't started her hero turn as a member of the X-Men yet in my reading. But I know it's coming. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the hill, it's pretty similar. So, yeah, so he finds Krom, and the children that killed him worship the blood god Razazel. And Conan is like, but what about the, the world of the living? What's going to happen? And, he's like, and Krom's just like, oh, yeah, Razazel? I mean, he'll destroy the world for, for you know, have his fun for a, for a few millennia. And then, you know, you guys will all just come back and we'll start again. It's fine. <laughs> and Conan's like, uh, no. <laughs> the, the, the what yeah and so and so he attacks Krom, and he's like i spread your name across this entire world no shit. kingdoms into the dark places that i've never even heard of you before the, at this point in his life he's the king of aquilonia or agalonia He's like, I brought your name to the kingdom of Agalonia. From Samaria to Agalonia, like, everyone knows your name because mm. of me. And you didn't mm. even notice, did you? Mm. And Krom's like, no. Like, <laughs> why do I care about you? Whoa. And so and so Conan fights him. And he's like, well, I see you now, boy. And then they have a fight. And he just won't give up. So Krom's just like, fine. You, you've, you, you know, I told you there are fates worse than death. And so Krom banishes Conan from death and has promised him a long life, long enough that he will wither and see the light fade from his eyes and everything that 
is in the glory of Conan is going to fall before he dies. So basically okay. he's going to watch his legacy fall apart before he dies. Oh, and wow. that is the promise that Krom gave him. And Krom's just like, yeah, get, get out of here. I'm sick of you. And cool. uh, sent him back. Yeah. So it was super wild. And then he came back and he fought the uh, blood god Razzel, uh sent him back down to this dark depths that he was crawling out from. But it was so cool to see that kind of like antagonistic, basically, relationship between the god that I've seen referenced for 30 something total issues hmm. <laughs> and and him being like yeah you don't need to use my name anymore <laughs> <laughs> um it was just it was so cool and i i because as soon as he died i was like well how do you bring him back man like this isn't this isn't 616 we don't have the hells to go and like bring spirits back and souls and stuff what are you going to do and they did it and it was awesome and it ends with king conan riding into this he got saved by his son conan Mm. second um and some knights that he took with him and they're just setting off into the sunset like your classic western cool thing yeah Um, and that was awesome it was a lot of fun to read and it makes me feel like i'm ready for him to be in 616 I've seen okay. his story. I've seen where he comes from. I've seen the sure. life and death of Conan now. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm ready now. Like, I've already read nice. a book with him in it. He's in Savage Avengers Volume 1. Oh. He got brought to 616 during Infinity Warps somehow because of all the reality bending that Gamora was messing around with. Wanda showed up in Samaria. Um, mm. and Conan saved her from some bandits that were attacking her and so they were hanging out for a bit and then when she got saved Conan came with her he ended up in Weird World for a little bit and then he met up with Savage Avengers then went to the Savage Land and he decided to walk back <laughs> from the Savage <laughs> Land which is in Antarctica so I don't know, so we'll see how that goes um, yeah. I have Savage Land I have Savage Avengers Volume 2 somewhere in this stack so well, sure. I'll, I'll let you know how that goes yeah. Um, but yeah so that was super interesting the other two books that I read both revolve around Ghost Rider I've got Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avengers Volume 5 by Jason Aaron Okay. and I've got Ghost Rider King of Hell Volume 1 Okay. They are both very interesting. That mm-hmm. uh, Ghost Rider is the last title that I got into. Um, okay. As far as starting my Marvel collection. Yeah, I have to say I've never really felt drawn towards Ghost Rider, and I I've yeah read very little of of his stories. I've only ever known the names of the Ghost Riders, and that's right. pretty much it. So it's mm-hmm. Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch. So. Yeah, uh, Dan- Danny Catch the second Ghost Rider. So I didn't know this until I read this book, and I feel bad for not knowing. They're half brothers. Oh, I didn't um, know that either. Exactly, because so many times they kept on referring. It spends a lot of time following Danny, and anytime he drops Johnny by name, they're like, "Oh, your brother." And he, <laughs> and I'm like, "Are we talking about because they're both spirits of vengeance, mm. or what's going on here?" And then <laughs> nope. he finally actual brothers. Yeah, he finally clarifies. He's like. Well, half brother. And I was like, oh. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> but yeah, so Avengers Challenge of the Ghost Riders. It initially focuses on Robbie Reyes, who's the mm-hmm. current Ghost Rider, and he has a car. As opposed to 
the other three ghostwriters in 616, including Cosmic Ghost Rider right here. Oh, um, didn't they know all there was a Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about him in a quick second. Okay. Um, <laughs> but Robbie Reyes doesn't want the spirit of vengeance kind of thing. I don't want it. Uh, kind of thing. And no I'm glad you you just named him as Robbie Reyes because when you named uh, Johnny Blaze and Danny Catch, I was like half a second away from misnaming the third Ghost Rider as Robert Rodriguez. Oh, who? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Film director Robert Rodriguez, possessed by the spirit of vengeance. Um, there's also there was also a, a short run of Alejandra. Okay. Um, I don't remember her last name. Sure. But she was a ghost writer that got introduced a few years ago. Hmm. Um, and then in a side story, she got possessed by a symbiote and she that doesn't got... seem like a good combination. No, so she got killed in absolute carnage. So okay. she's not around anymore. Sure. But she got welcomed by the king of oh man. So there's so much, there's so much. Anyway, um yeah, talk. So, uh <laughs> so this is basically Robbie Reyes kind of getting to the point of accepting slash challenging his spirit of vengeance mm. and kind of getting to the point where he's like, fine, this is what I got to do, I guess. Sure. There were some fun scenes and nothing too wild, but uh, we should also talk about Cosmic Ghost Rider. Sure. Cosmic Ghost Rider is from the future, mm-hmm. hanging out in our 616 now, but it is Frank Castle who became yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> frank castle became, i mean i guess it's spirit of vengeance it, it fits yeah right so yeah. he became the ghostwriter frank castle and, for the for the for the listeners who may not know it is the punisher yes the punisher so punisher frank castle became the ghostwriter so so we're merging two two characters in this yeah um they became the ghostwriter and then he spirit of vengeance so much and then in the future galactus shows up and (laughs) he's like you know let's not so he becomes galactus's new herald and he gets the power cosmic (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) what making him i love when alternate all future books just fucking go for it yeah making him the cosmic ghostwriter so we're talking frank castle Ghost Rider and a herald of the Galactus over thousands of years. My he's goodness. lost his mind. And so now he's kooky. And he is your crazy slapstick comedic break um, <laughs> when you have. So the current Avengers rosters roster is very serious. It's yeah. Black Panther, it's Robbie Reyes, it's Cap, Iron Man, Blade, uh, She Hulk, Thor, and Captain Marvel. Okay. Like there, it's powerhouse yeah. upon yeah. powerhouse. Insane it's powerhouse. very strong. Oh, and Thor and She-Hulk are hooking up now. Anyway, sure. um, <laughs> so Cosmic Ghost Rider is just a beast. He has his solo title was him traveling back in time to kill baby Thanos, and that ended up not working out because other people were showing up and he started killing all these other people and he's doing all this in front of baby Thanos and then to the point where he's like well this was a mistake I'm taking baby Thanos back so he takes baby Thanos back puts him in the crib mm. death shows up and she's mm. like oh hey Frank Castle Cosmic goes right how you doing he's like Just shut up leave me alone and and and, <laughs> and death thanks him for introducing baby Thanos to death there we go and it's just like oh 
and so that's just oh man that chance with ghost riders was fun this i've been waiting for for so long ghost Mm. rider king of hell because like two years ago i read doctor strange damnation and damnation and full disclosure i spent like a year not reading comics because i just didn't yeah Um, and that's through no one's fault but my own. So I could have read this a year ago, but it's here okay. I am today. It's okay. So <laughs> you're in a safe uh, space, Well, Yeah. So Damnation is a storyline where Mephisto, who is the king of hell, goes to Vegas and opens up uh, a, a casino <laughs> called Casino Inferno. And okay. people can go there, get obsessed with gambling, and they're allowed to sell their souls for more gambling credits. So <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's wild. It's insane. People are turning into demons all over the place. Oh, shit. It's, it's uh, so interesting. It's I had awesome. no idea how they were going to end it. And it ends with a two-pronged attack of supernatural tied heroes storming the castle, for lack of a better term, with um, Doctor Strange, Wong, Johnny Blaze, Blade, Damon Hellstrom. Damon Hellstrom is Mephisto's son. Yeah. And I think one or two other people. But point is, for people who probably don't know, Spirits of Vengeance are bestowed upon you by Mephisto, the king of Mm, hell. I didn't Um, know that, actually. So, yeah. So, Spirits of Vengeances are from the hell dimension that Mephisto is the king of. So, Johnny Blaze goes and confronts Mephisto. Mephisto's like, nah, takes his spirit of vengeance, drops him out the top of, of the oh. casino, come to find out. That was Wong's plan all along. And so huh. Johnny Blaze can go to hell and take the throne while Mephisto is here on Earth. Oh. So Johnny Blaze re- gives himself the Ghost Rider and he is now the king of hell. That's awesome. Holy crap. So <laughs> Mephisto starts losing his connection to the to the hell dimension because he's not the king anymore. Mm. Uh, so he gets weakened. Wong locks him up in a magical cell. So current status quo, Wong is managing Hotel Inferno and keeping an eye on Mephisto locked up in the hotel. Hotel Inferno still exists in Vegas mm. and Johnny Blaze is the king of hell. <sighs> Awesome. So this is the first volume of Ghost Rider King of Hell. So this is this is post that status quo. This is this is what yeah. he does as King of Hell. Yes. Okay. Such as there are riots, there are other demons being basically hashtag not my king <laughs> and trying to uh, usurp the throne for Mephisto. There are other ones trying to open up portals to get onto Earth so they can get to Vegas to try to bust Mephisto out. And Johnny is basically going around killing these demons and sending them back to hell for trying to escape. And he has a new look that involves basically a skull crown, which looks really cool. Oh, so uh-huh. that's how he looks now. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Danny Ketch is heavily involved because there are growing concerns of the pow- power corrupting Johnny and mm. him not being himself. Mm-hmm. To the point where when Danny Ketch tried to stop him, Johnny took his spirit away. His spirit of oh. vengeance away. Oh. Yeah. I got introduced to this character called the Caretaker. And she is charged as the helper for Ghost Riders. And so she goes and tells Danny, like, hey, 
we're going to need help on this. And uh, she opens up a portal to Limbo mm. to get Danny to go and talk to Belasco to get help from Belasco and his champion called Necrosis. And Necrosis is this, he has a history of killing Ghost Riders. <laughs> and he is a centaur with six arms. Okay. Very metal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's Belasco right there. Sure. Belasco Which, is big villain in the 80s, by the way. Yeah. He's talked about as the king of Limbo. Um, limbo, but routinely that's typically magic. Well, he gets overthrown a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, king of King of Limbo sometimes. Yeah. So they call him the, the King of Limbo here. My favorite reference for Limbo is always Ilyana's like the, the well she over she he captured her as a child. Yes. She grew up there and then when her powers got to a certain point, she overthrew him and Charles. made her way back to uh six one six and then yeah, the power eventually corrupted her, Dark Child, Inferno, blah blah blah. Yeah. Anywho, this is only four issues, and issue four ends with Belasco's like Cool, Danny. I appreciate that you're here, I guess. But if you want my help, you're going to have to beat Necrosis. And Necrosis beats the F out of him. <laughs> and as soon as he's about to lose, Belasco's like, yeah, you didn't last as long as I thought you would. But anyway, he kills Necrosis. Uh, Belasco does. Takes sure. the blood of Necrosis and like drips it onto Danny's face. And oh. Danny starts changing. And he's like, what the hell's happening to me? And the last quote is Blasco saying, congratulations, Danny Ketch. You are mine now, my spirit of corruption. Interesting. Danny, the other ghost rider, is no longer a spirit of vengeance. He is now a spirit of corruption. Huh. Okay. See where that goes. I have yeah. volume two up on that shelf, but I can't wait sure. to read it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The, only, I, other thing, yeah. the only other thing I read, huh? Okay, before we move on, can I ask yeah. you a King of Hell question? Sure. Because I don't read the breadth of Marvel that you do. And so my last idea of where that storyline or who held that position is almost 10 years old. And it's Guido Carousella, a.k.a. Strong Guy. Yeah, right? I remember that. Yeah. He, well, he let it go, though. He let it time. go voluntarily. He, he walked away. He, I was I was going to ask you what happened with that. And does he have his soul back? Ah. Uh... Does he have a soul back? That specific question, I don't remember. But he doesn't have the throne anymore because he was convinced to come back okay. um, by his team, basically. Sure. By, by X Factor. Okay. Um, I totally remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was very short lived. Uh, Guido being the king of hell. Okay. It was um, it was a, a shocking moment. Like it was a suitable climax for that storyline, but I couldn't see it going anywhere after that. Like yeah. What what adventures is Guido going to have as King of Hell? Like it right. it was it was an end to his own story arc, right? But it wasn't yeah. the start of a new one. Yeah, it's kind of funny at the back of this book, and we'll have to do a whole episode on it. There's a breakdown <laughs> of these different Hell realms for the ease of conversation. We've talked already tonight about Hell and Limbo, and then there's like Niflheim, which Hella right. is the mm-hmm. is the ruler of, and there's a handful of others which we'll go into at some point. But there's just in that breakdown, there's two hell dimensions that are routinely connected to the mutants. 
Mm -hmm. and for them to get make Greedo go to hell instead of Limbo or the Dark Dimension just Uh seemed so strange to me. (laughs) Or sorry, the Brimstone (laughs) Dimension. Because there is a Dark Dimension also. Right. (laughs) The Dark Dimension is where uh, Don't Don't Mind the Mindless Ones are from. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mephisto, it's never long before Mephisto gets his throne back. Sure. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm just well. I just started Volume Three of Captain America by Tanahisi Coates. I obviously haven't read. I know he's a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. I haven't read his other stuff. Sure, um, his his like <laughs> novels, but uh, well, not yeah. novels. Like this is his only fiction writing. He's a essayist and nonfiction. Uh, yeah, yeah. I knew. So I did know. See, I my frame of reference for him because only because my mom really knows who he is. Right. I assumed it was a lot of social justice stuff. Yeah, and yeah, so, like he wrote the case for reparations and like a bunch of other like really influential. Yeah. So he his first Marvel run was on Black Panther. Yeah. And he heavily focused on the politics of being the king of Wakanda. Right. First issues were really bad because he was still learning how to write comics. Mm -hmm. Um, And bad in terms of just storytelling. Pacing. A lot of of text boxes. Mm, Yeah. Just scenes. Yeah. And just didn't really work. But he figured out. So I'm... I, you know, I'm three volumes into his Captain America run, and there are definitely some hints of like there's two Americas, and what do, what am I fighting mm-hmm. for? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So I am interested to see where he goes to this. That's awesome. Um, we've talked before about like, well, I don't know. If we haven't talked on here, but Secret Empire with Hydra Steve. It's evil Steve and then regular Steve Rogers. And there is a basically a terrorist organization. They're called the Watchdogs. They're taking control of the media and saying that there never was two different Steves. Mm. The Steve Rogers that we all know is the one that led Hydra and took over the nation. And they framed him for the murder of General Thunderbolt Ross, who just recently was killed in Volume 2. So he is a man on the run now from America and he's wearing his, I call it his nomad costume, but it's definitely not his nomad costume. It's a costume he wore when he was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Where it's just like the star with the um, Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's using his his light shield. Oh. And and not his vibranium shield. shield. Yeah. Yeah. So the the first issue, the watchdogs are going and we don't know exactly what they're doing with these border jumpers, but they're taking them and disappearing. Mm. And and Steve has to say, you know, like, yeah, I I, I do not condone this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's people illegally crossing borders. Isn't that against the law? And right now he's working with White Tiger and, and mm-hmm. Sharon Carter. And they're just like we just broke you out of prison. Like, <laughs> we are breaking laws here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah, I guess, but like, shit. And so he has this like internal monologue. Interesting. Um, and he's just like, what was my way? Was it ever as simple as I remembered? Was it me and Buggy versus Hitler and Zemo? Or was it a Jim Crow army making common cause with Stalin? Mm. Mm-hmm. And he just says, I did, I don't know anymore. Wow. And so like all of my complaints <laughs> about yeah. like Captain America and what he stands for and like what 
you know, what kind of person he is may get addressed because Tanhesi Coates decided right. I'm gonna go and fucking write Captain America. I am officially it's been a while since I've been excited about a Captain America title. That's awesome. <laughs> so we'll see where this goes, man. Very, very cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's the plethora of books that I read this week. And then I'll that's- have to report back on how Captain America ends because I'm only one and a half issues in right now. Sure. Well, I, I had a lighter week reading, which uh, I want to supplement with talking about just kind of the different titles in uh, 1997 X books, because there are 10 of them now with the introduction of the Deadpool solo book and, uh, and how they all just kind of what they, what they're doing. So uh, just go through some of the storylines that I, that I read this week. First, uh, I read Domino miniseries. And it's really interesting to me, just on a broader sense, on a meta sense, what they're doing to these Rob Liefeld characters. Mm. I don't ever want to defend Rob Liefeld. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's not a good place to be. That's not what I want to be doing. But it's interesting to me that all of these characters that he introduced, uh, you're talking about Cable, Domino, Shatterstar, even a little bit Deadpool, right? They're all just these insane, hyper-violent, zero character, like zero internality, right? Like Rob Liefeld's entire run on Cable, you got nothing. <laughs> you got you got no, it, like he's just a, a guy from the future with a metal arm and a gun who has a mission and he won't tell anybody what it is. And he's just here to fight. And he has a lot of pouches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pouches for days. Pouches for, for years. And like Domino is this like sex object slash hyper violent, you know, like it's all just super like dialed up to 11, just mindless bashing. And, and then once Liefeld leaves and they're like, oh, these characters are really popular. Let's keep them going, but let's turn them into actual characters. But when you do that, it's like they get so generic. Mm. So Cable, right? They're like, okay, we have to turn him into a believable heroic character. Like he has this heroic destiny as the person who destroys Apocalypse. And he has these like heroic origins as the son of, of Cyclops and Madeline Pryor. So it's this long process of like, let's give him, you know, the telepathic telekinetic powers. Let's do this whole like strife thing. You know, let's go... And let's turn him into a hero. And then like, as time goes on and through Jeff Loeb's run, like he's super dependent on his powers and like becomes, goes from like a low level Psy who is keep using most of his powers to keep the the techno organic virus in check to like, he's just doing like cosmic level stuff with his, with his powers. And he's kind of on this, relatively generic mission of doing good and he's like showing up in the microverse for no reason he's just kind of just another superhero and it's like i don't want him to stay as this mindless testosterone machine but i kind of want him to be unique but at what cost yeah (laughs) yeah and and it's kind of a similar thing in this in this domino story she goes to this facility run by Weapon X. She breaks in. It's interspersed with a lot of flashbacks. And apparently, so it introduces her husband. This is the first time that her name has been revealed as Nina Thurman. Mm. Thurman is her married name because her husband is named Milo Thurman. 
and he is locked up by Weapon X because he's not a mutant, but he's so smart that he can tell the future hmm. and, you know, make predictions with outrageous accuracy. So Weapon X is just kind of like keeping him under wraps and, and trying to use his predictions or keep him from doing things on his own. Like if you're going to have this ability, you're only going to use it for us. And he goes crazy and reads Dante's Inferno. And that's, I guess, the entire reason why everyone's been calling Domino Beatrice (laughs) up to this point. Not her actual name. It's a Dante's Inferno reference. Uh, It sucks. Don't read Dante. And yeah, that's really it. They got married. They, you, you see in the flashback, them hook up and then it's like, yeah, we were married, but I like left him in the Weapon X facility and I haven't seen him since then. So like, how did you get married? You never, <laughs> you hooked mm-hmm. up once as far as we can tell. And then he died. And so uh, uh, Donald Pierce and the Reavers and Lady Deathstrike, who's working for Donald Pierce, try and infiltrate the uh, Weapon X facility to download his mind so that they can use his predictions for their hmm. own benefit. And Domino stops them, except the way that they, it's, it, it reminded me of your complaints about uh, Conan Valeria. Um, the way her luck power, uh, Domino's luck powers in this always manifest is like she gets captured, she gets, you know, like uh, attacked, she's like getting her ass handed to her, and then you know, like she throws a grenade and it gets like knocked away and, or, or not even that, like rested out of her hand. She's being like held by her throat. And then like something happens. Like this happens like four times is like, she's about to die. Like she, they've got the total upper hand on her and then just something like completely unrelated happens. And it's like, well, that's luck. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it's so much more interesting when she's like doing crazy spy shit or like soldier shit and, and like, jumping around and shooting things and they happen to hit the right things you know right yeah yeah anyway well yeah um, but like that that luck is is more along the lines of like a long shot yeah than than how her powers get explained years and years later <laughs> right so that was the domino series uh i also read another thing that i liked uh was a juggernaut one shot they're doing this kind of anti-hero turn on juggernaut that i'm really in for it's a lot of fun. It it kind of, I feel like it's just starting now. They're finally like for the first time doing some character development on, on Juggernaut and kind of setting up the Chuck Austin run, which uh, of Uncanny X-Men, which happened like five, six, eight years later, which a lot of people hated, but I really liked at least the Juggernaut storyline. But anyway, for some background, because this kind of all, all started around the immediate lead up to Onslaught. Juggernaut lands just in a pile of rubble in New Jersey and the X-Men like, you know, fly out emergency, emergency, let's go get the blackbird going, flying out to New Jersey. We land, we, we find juggernaut in this giant pile of rubble and, and we're like, all right, be prepared to fight. And he's like, what are you guys doing in Las Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) he's been flying that far. Anyway, he spills the beans on Onslaught. He's like the first. And so Onslaught traps Juggernaut inside the uh, the Ruby of Sidorak. After Onslaught, they go into the Ruby to get him out. And apparently inside there, they come across the Sister of Despair. Despair. Um, 
I'm sorry. I just hate that name so much. And for listeners who are unaware, and he's a very minor character in the scheme of things, but despair is some psychological manifestation of, of fear. And he's uh, been a bad guy off and on wherever doesn't matter. Anyway, his sister spite is trapped in, in the Ruby too. And so in getting juggernaut out of there, they break the ruby and he takes the manifestation of Sidorak that contains the powers. He he absorbs it into his soul. So now he is like, he he's not relying on this object anyway. And it frees spite. And so he goes off to a small town in New Mexico and is just an absolute nightmare there, breaking things, whatever, but kind of laying low and doing his own thing. And nobody kind of messes with him. And he comes across this woman and they have a crazy night, you know, of, of breaking things and, and causing mayhem. And then it turns out that she's spite and she's trying to get him to um, fight despair for her and despair like feeds off the power of juggernaut and like grows super powerful and juggernaut's almost defeated. And he's like, I have faced despair spelled correctly. <laughs> My whole life. The only thing that beats sadness for me is rage. And I've got an endless amount of rage and hate. And that's like, that's what he draws from to, to sort of counteract despair's hold on him. And he's like drained all the way down to being a skeleton. And the only thing left of him is hate. And then it, I don't know. It was, it was a cool, it was a cool sort of like, character moment it was a cool like way to differentiate and humanize juggernaut i was in for it i really enjoyed it yeah that sounds cool it reminds me of around the same time of of x-men disassembled Mm. when they're wrapping up more just like stuff to get ready for a hawks box yeah they did x-men black and it was uh five one issue one shots of just notable names of characters in the x-men universe and one of them is x-men black juggernaut it, it was along those same kind of lines of like kane so juggernaut's name is kane marco uh, yeah no symbolism at all with kane and abel his <laughs> brother <laughs> kane kind of just like embracing the juggernaut mm. side um, mm-hmm. and so that, that felt like from from what you just said that felt like a continuation um yeah for sure of, of in what I read in uh, in X Men Black, that's also where I found out that there are seven gems of Sidorak. No, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. They, ha- they haven't touched on that since. Of course, um, I also haven't read any X books since. So, sure, <laughs> but um, uh, I am really so Juggernaut's run as a good guy slash antihero. Yeah, happened before where i started reading Mm -hmm. and i've always been really curious about how that went because he full-on joined the x-men at one point yeah 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 it was it was a really cool storyline like he befriended this xavier student named squid boy who no one else could reach but they formed a bond as being fellow survivors of of uh abuse as children oh interesting yeah yeah the closest i got was juggernaut was on luke cage's uh thunderbolts team oh, that sounds wild and that worked for a bit the at the raft where the thunderbolts were housed the wall broke and people could escape and the closest thing i got to a good guy 
moment, I guess, for Kane was he got to the shore of that the island that the raft is on. It was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he, just, he he didn't break out. <laughs> like oh. I was like, and I was like, man, I want to see a good guy juggernaut, but I just I just never got to. So yeah, interesting. I'm stoked for you to get to that point. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna follow it anymore. Like at this point, you know, yeah. I mean, this was a one shot, like literally one 48 page issue. Yeah. Uh, it told a complete story. It was you know, uh, it had a great voice to it. Like I really enjoyed the character work that they did and this is kind of like i could see this very easily being the end of his character arc that they set up before onslaught and not continuing anything more Mm -hmm. but who knows i guess i'll have to read to find out yeah anyway so the last thing that i wanted to talk about today was status quos finally and i i want to i want to talk about it. it it's interesting to me in part because it it kind of speaks to how comics are published over time. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but like you're reading contemporary comics where everything was kind of published with eyes towards a trade, right? Mm -hmm. It's very common to see limited runs of books where you're like, okay, one or two trades and then we're done, you know, six to 12 issues. Like, a mini series will go for like four to six issues and you've got a defined run that you know it's over before it starts. But you'll often see now books that they they kind of do like a pilot run or, you know, it, it you can kind of think of it like TV seasons where it's like, we'll give this a season and see how it does. We'll go mm-hmm. for 12 issues and then if it doesn't sell or we don't have creator the creators don't want to keep going. We'll, we'll just cancel it. Basically that didn't happen. It it didn't work the same way in the nineties. You weren't writing towards trades. And so storylines tended to be one to three issues long, unless it was a big crossover. You, You might write a book towards a climax that happened on a multiple of 25 for the issue number. And you might write a book towards the, a climax that happens during a crossover, but they happened story arcs happen much, both much more frequently and much less frequently. You know, you, you get one to one to three issue stories and you don't get these and you get like 25 issue sort of mega stories and you don't really get much in between. Mm -hmm. So a status quo is something more like house of X powers of 10, like what, is going on with the mutant books after that, right? So really the status quo in the X-Books right now is the X-Men live at the mansion in Westchester County, New York. It's called Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. There's no actual schooling going on there. Generation X is the only class of students and they are actually taught at the Massachusetts Academy, the former home of the Hellions. X-Force also lives in the mansion with the X-Men. X-Factor is the government-run team, and they are going underground. They're becoming sort of the X-Files, E-Secrets Within Secrets type idea. I believe that's all of the teams. Oh, and then, uh, so the X-Men, right, have two books, Uncanny and Adjectiveless X-Men. And they are, for all intents and purposes, indistinguishable. They, they use the same lineup. 
so that's Cyclops, Jean, Beast, Storm, Rogue, Joseph, Bishop, Cannonball, Wolverine, Angel, Psylocke, and Iceman who just quit. And it's a lot. that's a big roster it's a big roster and it's not it seems like you know when the original five rejoined the x-men at the start of the 90s with the jim lee run you know they kind of split it off into blue and gold teams jim lee was drawing the blue team so he took all of the cool his favorite (laughs) and coolest characters and left all the rest for gold they they did away with that uh before age of apocalypse so they just kind of got combined into one big book and all of the characters are in both. And I kind of mentioned before, but it, it it's used most, mostly like a soap opera, right? Where each, each character kind of has their own conflict or thing going on. Uh, like Cyclops is dealing with being the new leader of the X-Men now that Xavier is in prison after Onslaught. Beast is trying to cure the legacy virus. Rogue is dealing with whatever she saw in Gambit's head after they kissed. Just, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to see kind of these arcs progressing, but a typical issue will have like, you know, eight to 12 pages of a main story and the rest are just... uh you know, kind of like checking in on all the different characters and in, in their their little subdramas and, and soap opera plots. Uh, and I kind of like that because I I love the lived in stories, right? Like we were talking about with uh, with Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man. Like mm-hmm. my a lot of my favorite X Men stories have always been like Nation X or you know these these sort of like you know, not really plot driven, antagonist driven, but, but just kind of like checking in on different characters and how they're doing. Yeah. So even if it feels a little aimless, sometimes I, I often enjoy it being aimless. Um, the other two books that I wanted to talk about. So, so yeah, so status quo was kind of like the, the big, like it'll drive a, a title for like, you know, five years or more. Right. Like a previous status quo was the X-Men live in, Australia in an abandoned reaver base and they fake their own deaths and they uh, use gateway to teleport to different places where they're needed. And the team is fraying apart because it's a really unsustainable (laughs) and terrible (laughs) situation for everybody. Right. So that's kind of like, that's, that's what I mean by a status quo. And then what, what I kind of mentioned before the last week in the, the bastion plot, that's kind of like a season arc, right? If you think about it as a TV show, like that's kind of where things are going and, and like a major story arc that, that a lot of different plot threads are evolving around. And the other book that I wanted to talk about status quo was X-Man. So the first maybe year plus of X-Man, he was literally just kind of a pinball and he would go and, and meet different, you know, major characters in the mutant verse. And they'd be like, Hey, let's talk. And he'd be like, I can't talk. I'm too, you don't understand. And just like start blowing things up in an, in a teenage angst rate, you know, (laughs) fast it was it was unbearable (laughs) but uh he met up with threnody threnody is an interesting character i don't know how much you know about threnody 
I haven't thought about Threnody in so long. Yeah. So she was actually, I thought she was like an original character for the X-Men book, but in my, in this reading, it turns out she was originally introduced just as kind of a one-off character in a couple issues of regular X-Men titles. I think one of Uncanny and one of X-Men or something like that. Mm. Uh, And she was a mutant who, so she senses death, right? That's her power. And she gets like, sort of like energized by death energy. She absorbs it. It's only only like recent death. Yeah. It's like death as it's happening. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't necessarily have to be there physically. And so that was basically the, once the legacy virus was released, it started driving her crazy because all of these mutant deaths were just like, were driving her powers haywire. And she just like, couldn't cope. She would like started living on uh, homeless on the streets. And um, the X-Men came to her and were like, Hey, we can help you. And she was like, no, you can't. And they're like, Oh my God, no, we really can't. And then Sinister shows up. He's like, I can help her. And they're like, I can't believe we're saying this, but yes, you can let Sinister take her, like do what you need to do to, to, to help her have a life. And so they Sinister, like put the little metal things around her, you know, like they're like power focuser, channeler, whatever implants. And as an exchange, Sinister has her uh, operate his cerebrotype device, keep tabs on mutants around the world interesting power flare-ups, stuff like that. In the course of that, she notices X-Man and decides to hide him from Sinister. Because, like, she's still, like, she knows that Sinister's up to some terrible things, but she's indebted to him, but she's, like, wants to rebel. And so she keeps X-Man away because he's super powerful and blah, 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 blah. So they make an interesting pair, right? Like, they they're both have this, like, big vendetta against sinister and they have this kind of like he is so naive and she's just seen too much anyway it's an interesting pairing it also kind of starts to make the fact that nate gray so yeah as soon as he appeared in 616 after age of apocalypse a resurrected madeline Pryor popped up next to him and they were hanging out for a little while until they kind of lost track of one another. And Celine showed up and started screwing with Madeline Pryor and luring her over to the Hellfire Club. And so just the fact that Madeline is dead or resurrected or whatever, and Threnody is with her powers based off death. And it, it kind of makes that make a little bit of sense. And so it the other way that Madeline is making a little bit of sense is the thing that's going on in... Uh, the the sort of subplot. So X-Man, he's, he started, he's like, I'm just going to use my powers to help people. I'm going to set up a shop at, at Washington Square Park. And anybody who comes to me with a problem, I'm just going to try and deal with it. Like this kid shows up with cancer and he like gives a psychic understanding to the kid's parents to like help them. He's like, I can't cure the kid, but I can at least like help the passing or whatever. Uh, like finding people's, pa- like he's he just like, you know, predicting like sports bets for people who are down on their luck to be able to make some money, like is just doing a lot of things, right. To help people in this sort of random, naive, chaotic way. So that's kind of the main plot is he's figuring out a life for himself in 616. 
And then the subplot is the inner circle of the Hellfire Club is reforming. Uh, a few years back, Shinobi Shaw, the son of Sebastian Shaw, uh, apparently killed him. And then Trevor Fitzroy killed the rest of the Hellfire Club inner circle. They kind of had an attempt at making their own inner circle, but they were both kind of too um, uh, slacker and unfocused and, and selfish to really make the whole thing work. They, they weren't like power brokers and they weren't in for the machinations. Um, They're just kind of like rich kid, feel good, you know, whatever, do what I want. Turns out that Sebastian Shaw survived and he, uh, so did Celine and they are reforming the Hellfire Club and they recruited Madeline Pryor to be the new Black Rook. Hmm. And uh, Hellfire Club are great villains. And so I'm excited for that. And they're, they're dealing with this with the appropriate amount of slow burn where, you know, things are happening. You see a scene here and there. Yeah. It's building up. There's a sense of menace. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So that's, uh, that's status quo. Guess the last thing I'll talk about is Generation X, mm-hmm. which is probably my my consistently my favorite book that I'm reading right now, which I did not expect at all going into this reread. Are they currently in their um their red suit gold pads? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, except for Chamber, who is emo and does his own thing. Right. John. So the lineup is huge. <laughs> it's M. Skin, Sink, Jubilee, Husk, Chamber, Penance, Mondo, and then Artie, Leech, and Franklin. Oh Franklin's hanging out after, um, after you know, his parents died. Uh, Franklin yeah. Richards, his parents died in Onslaught. And then Banshee and White Queen as the instructors. It's this massive roster and they all have this teen drama with each other. As an example, um, Husk had this giant crush on Chamber and Chamber is just way too emo for to be able to enjoy things. And uh, she kisses him and he's like, I can't deal with this. Like the last time I kissed somebody, I blew, I put them in a coma and put them in a wheelchair and lost half of my face and <laughs> my chest. Uh, <laughs> and they go to um, the Guthrie family farm and you know they're like looking through a bunch of stuff and he sees a picture of her parents and he's like I understand like you wanted this sort of like perfect life together with me you want me to be like your dad and you want to be like your mom and you know I I don't I can't be this I don't want to be this and she's like shut the hell up you asshole I kissed you because I liked you (laughs) stop being a jerk I'm over this now go away (laughs) It's the type of lesson that I wish I had, you know, learned as a horrendously overthinking uh, emo boy in my teens and early 20s. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, the the other books, I, I, I kind of talked a little bit more about X Factor and Wolverine. I feel like, you know, listeners have a good sense of what's going on in those books right now. I don't have a very good sense of what's going on in Cable or X-Force or Excalibur because those are the books that just changed creative teams and the other one's Deadpool, which I talked about a lot. So yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the 1997 status quo in a nutshell. And I'm glad I finally got to it. Yeah. So, I mean, 
Sounds like it's really exploding out. <laughs> it's in, I mean, in a, it, uh, outrageous, <laughs> outrageously so. Because, like, again, there were four X books as recently as like 1989. It was like, okay, 63 to 83, there was one. And then they added New Mutants in 83. And then they added Excalibur in like 87 or X Factor in like 85, Excalibur in 87, Wolverine in 89, Adjectiveless X-Men in 91, Generation, no, what came next? Uh, Cable in like 93, and then Generation X in, in 94, X-Men in 95, and Deadpool in 97. And it's just like, it's the, the farther I go, because I'm reading all, all titles and, and it used to go so much faster. <laughs> like I could get through a year of continuity in like a month or so. And now it's just like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> um, oh man. Well, next I have, can you still hear me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So next I have Annihilation Scourge which is a numberless book. So I guess it's a one shot slash cross- crossover. Yeah. But then after that, I've got Dawn of X. Oh, okay. It's time. I guess so. Okay. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like Dawn of X, the Dawn of X format. Well, we'll go, th- let's go through it for the first Dawn of X book. See how you okay. do with it. If you don't like it, then we'll we'll switch to to full trades of each title. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I have those also. <laughs> I know, I know, you're you're insane. I know. <laughs> I'll read however you read. All right. Uh, so Dawn of X Volume One is X Men, Marauders, Excalibur, New Mutants, X Force, and Fallen Angels. Okay. Issue ones. Sweet. I'm so excited. I am so excited too. I'm I can't so wait. I. Uh, yeah i legitimately i know one thing that has happened with the x-men uh-huh. since they've started the, the hickman era yeah the hickman status quo e. and i really i can't wait i can't wait oh i no. <laughs> oh i'm sorry i know two things that happen and they okay. both revolve around the same character sure which is kind of funny mm-hmm. um but uh, one of which is who the Red Queen is. No, oh. I know a couple of things too. Just accidentally reading ahead on on the wiki, but yeah. I won't spoil anything for you. You don't spoil anything for me. Nope. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a good. I'm gonna text you literally as soon as I open the book. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be um, I think a, a frequent topic of conversation for our Facebook group. Which plug our Facebook group here. And also oh my gosh, our, yeah, guys, our Instagram. We're, so, we're social. We got we're social. Active. We're socially <laughs> active. Yeah. Steve, Steve is is the main one running our hype, my, hype is my superpower Facebook group. Which you should all join if you spend any time on Facebook. And I am the main one running our hype is my superpower Instagram page. Which you should all follow if you spend any time on Instagram. Also agreed. Um yeah so please go and hang out with us ask questions and listen to our podcasts and 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 make fun of uh of 
outrageous 90s uh, Make fun of 90s mutants, man. <laughs> 90s, 90s mutant story threads. Can't help it. All the other ridiculousness that is Marvel comics. Yeah. The last 30 years. Anything else from you, Will, before we uh, before we sign on off? No, man. I'm excited to get into this. I got a cosmic book. I've got some civil rights Captain America, and I've got some Dawn of X to read. So stoked. stoked. Hell yeah. All right, man. Take it easy. I will talk yeah. to you soon. Throw the outro music here. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.